Hi, everyone. Chuck Adica here for a Healthier Michigan podcast. We're bringing you a few bonus episodes from conversations at the 2022 Mackinac Policy Conference. This year, the conference is focusing on the business community's changing civic role in polarizing times. Throughout the conference, Michigan's business community will focus discussions and learnings around areas they can lead in advancing diversity as a strength, utilizing civility and facts in public discourse, building a culture of empathy, and advocating for the fundamental tenets of American democracy. We thought it'd be a great opportunity to talk to attendees about what they're doing to tackle these issues and how it's impacting Michiganders. We hope you enjoy these special episodes. On today's show, we'll be talking with President of the Community Foundation of Southeast Michigan, Rick DeVore. President and CEO of the Community Foundation of St. Clair County, Randy Mayers. And Executive Director of Next Generation Learning for Ford Motor Company, Cheryl Carrier. First up is President of the Community Foundation of Southeast Michigan, Rick DeVore. It's good to see you on the island. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to see you anywhere, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the foundation. A lot of people here, Community Foundation of Southeast Michigan, and aren't quite clear what it is, but I'm even learning today, the feelers, the broad reach is even broader than we ever imagined, right? Well, and we're in this conversation with Blue Cross, obviously, because we're a collaborator. You know, our role, we believe, community is in our name. We have to collaborate with all kinds of partners. This is Blue Cross's idea, but when you look at who's at the table, other foundations, including us, and that's really our calling, if you will, is to put groups together, put some of our money in as well, but also take care of the back office side of things, you know, the funding and so forth. Mm-hmm. So as we were saying before the show, you know, some of the things that we're involved with would probably surprise people. You know, um, the Grand Bargain Opioid Settlement, some of the ARPA funds, we just made an announcement with Wayne County. And that takes some skilled staff and a lot of compliance work and so forth. So if it sounds like I'm a banker, there's, you know, there's compliance, there's audit, you know, but those kinds of things are really important to the Community Foundation. But it's a wonderful organization with a lot of extremely committed, talented people. And a lot of high impact. I mean, we think of the dollars and cents and having a banker in the room or bankers is helpful. But the notion of the impact on lives directly is great. It really is. And, you know, and for me, you know, this is just a great capstone for my career is to be able to do more in the community that, you know, I love and we call home. So it's a great gig. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. You got it. (laughs) So the notion of uh, private public partnerships is always a great one. We see that here a lot with just the people who are meeting in the hall, for instance, and what may come from an event like this. And this idea that Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan is is leading a bold initiative approach to grant making that we can expect to have impact on uh, some of the themes here that we're seeing at Mackinac, right? Racial and ethnic disparities and access to health care in general, right. but also mental health care access, too. No, you're right. And, you know, I think the disparities existed before COVID, yeah. but were only made worse with COVID. And so we're running a few different pilot programs right now, testing, you know, our theories and so forth. Because the one thing about the Community Foundation that and I think this is true in philanthropy in general, you really, no pun intended, but you just can't really go out and be prescriptive. You have to go out and listen to the constituency you're trying to help 
and listen to their ideas and kind of do a ground up versus top down. So we're running some pilots right now. Mm. And one of them that I'm excited about in a really a group that really has been affected by COVID and unfortunately there's a lot of mental health issues is seniors of color that may be LGBTQ plus. Mm. They're kind of a forgotten group, maybe People shun that group, but there's some real mental health challenges in that group because of COVID. And so that would give you an idea of just one work stream that we're working on. But I think it's a really good example of just things that, you know, you don't quite think about. But this mental health issue, I think we're seeing, unfortunately, play out every day in the media, unfortunately. And, um, you know, this group, I think, is a group that, you know, we're excited about maybe making an impact there. But that would be one example of yeah. some of the pilots we're running. And we've heard from a couple of the previous guests we've had on this morning that mental health and telehealth have come together in such a way to show high impact. Is that one of the things you would see being able to reach into various communities as having the potential? I think it does. Yeah. But with it comes the encumbrance of got to make sure the technology is exactly. available for yeah. the recipient, right? Yeah. But these things in our pockets called cell phones definitely help that out but you're right because you know many times transportation itself is an issue but somebody may have a cell phone maybe they can do telehealth but they can't physically get a ride to get in to get the mm -hmm. treatment so i think that is the wave of the future we think of foundations as something very large and yet the physical touch you know not telehealth but i mean the notion that you're actually a touching a life or that we're getting back to being connected again coming out right. of the pandemic uh, is really an important part of that, right? No, it really is. And I, I think at the end of the day, you know, you need some boots on the street to yeah. really be effective. You know, it's, I've always said, you know, it's great to write a check. It's important, but writing yeah. a check and actually getting involved. And again, I can't emphasize enough that listening of, because what might work in Warren might not work in Inkster. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, those subtle differences, and that's where we really depend on our partners. So why did the Community Foundation feel it important to join the initiative with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan? Well, I, I think it had to do with just our convening. I mean, I think they thought of us because yeah. we've, you know, if you look at a lot of the initiatives we have, they're collections of various funders. New Economy Initiative has Kresge and Kellogg and okay. the Ford Foundation, the Wilson Foundation. And that's, I think we're kind of a trusted source to kind of regulate the funds but also you know convene and we have healthcare practitioners on, on our staff yeah that, you know so we have a work stream just with healthcare and we're very involved for instance in opioid in the whole state of michigan and so there you know we're trying to help small municipalities that may not have the resources to administer federal funds you know a big municipality like city of detroit they got that but what about Armada Township in Macomb County mm -hmm, or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not picking on them. I don't know if they need help. Right, right. But I mean, as an example, they may not have the bandwidth, the staff to do that. So that's where we come in and can be of help. And we see in media the idea of the opioid crisis, and we think about it uh, from time to time when it makes headlines. Right. But you're not the first person this morning to bring that up, and it apparently is still a huge crisis in Michigan. It really is, and I think it's being talked about a lot, too, because of the settlement. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, so the yeah. settlement, we up in my room, I have actually every community that received funds. But then again, how do you best deploy those funds? Yeah. How can they do the most good helping people? And 
Another myth about opioids, I think some people think it's an urban issue. It's an urban, suburban, rural, yeah. up, whether you're up north or you know up here, and it's everywhere. So it's um, those two things, opioid and mental health, kind of go together, you know, when you think about it. So what excites you the most about your relatively new role here? What, as you're looking to the future, the opportunities that you see? I, I think it's, I love the collaboration piece, which is yeah. kind of my old gig as well. And, um, you know, what really excites me is just, you know, some of the people that are on the staff, they're like super overqualified, but they're there because of the nature of the work. Yeah, and so when you go into work each day and you're around people like that, I think it's pretty stimulating. Yeah, so it's exciting. Well, it's good to see you. Good to be seen. Making a huge <laughs> impact uh, yeah. in so many different ways. Rick Devore, who's president of the Community Foundation of Southeast Michigan, be well. Okay, Enjoy sir. the conference. All right, thank you very much. Next up is president and CEO of the Community Foundation of St. Clair County, Randy Mayers. Good to see you multiple times here in just two days, right? <laughs> Great to see you, Chuck. Yeah, yes. thanks so much. So much happening here on the island. How do you feel from your perspective looking in on what's changed now as we have actual people getting together? It's great, you know, and I was talking to Kyle Caldwell last night, it's great to see philanthropy up here and being respected and being engaged, not only with media, but with government, with the private sector. Yeah. It's really uh, a sense of optimism. So this, uh, you know, we hear a lot about community foundations. Community Foundation of St. Clair County aims to enhance the spirit of philanthropy. So you are literally waving the flag to say that this partnership needs to and should exist, right? Yeah, you know, and, and we're kind of a different group of community foundations in how we view our role. Mm -hmm. A part cheerleader, a part raising that flag and advocating for philanthropy to be at the table and have a voice. Yeah, and do you see the transformation? Like when you drill down and you see the the efforts and initiatives, you're seeing it affect real people. That's got to be encouraging to you. It really is, you know, and, and, and Chuck, we've studied other community foundations in this space around the state and the country, Muskegon is doing wonderful things. I mean, Grand mm -hmm. Traverse are doing great things, Bay Area. So we try to replicate that a little bit, but it, it's a tangible impact, right? It's beyond basic needs and human services. Yeah. It's what are we doing to grow prosperity in our part of Michigan? And when we think of, uh, you know, some of the themes of this conference, the idea of equity and diversity, Explain that and what you're doing with your foundation in particular and the impacts that you're seeing there. Yeah, you know, it was kind of sadly ironic, Chuck, uh, in the early days of COVID, it became clear immediately that equity was not being used to address small businesses, micro businesses, mm. right? The biggest businesses got all the attention, the yeah, initial yeah. support that came out. It became really clear right off the bat that, you know, in our part of Michigan, these smallest of small minority women-owned businesses were being overlooked. So we use that as an opportunity to, to change how we do business, to change how we allocate our investments and in our finances. Yeah. yeah, we consolidated, we simplified. We started meeting every other Friday to say, what are we doing about the smallest small businesses? So out of a crisis, we sharpened our pencil and said, we're going to be active in this space. We are not gonna sit by and let these smallest of the small businesses be overlooked. And those small businesses already had challenges for being small, but let's face it, it when it comes to technology, and you may have the greatest uh, local cookie store, but maybe you don't have a presence with a website, right? So that idea of getting out beyond your St. Clair County reach could have been trouble right from the beginning before a pandemic. Yeah, Chuck, let me tell you, you are spot on. We actually hired a consultant, Conchin Wankiti, mm. uh, a young woman to help us in that space. Literally one of her clients didn't have a computer. 
Wow. Well, how can you apply for any kind of aid? Yeah, yeah. Because this is a one-person shop. They work seven days a week. What time do they have to do it? Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. Many of us would overlook that. Well, of course everyone has a computer. Of course everyone has a website. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. When you're a husband and wife or you're a single mom working, it is not that easy. Are you seeing those connections and that refocusing of your efforts creating a, a connectivity of web and a strength amongst those small businesses who now can maybe even lean on each other, but also be encouraged by each other. Yeah, you know, again, it's uh, kind of rewarding out of the crisis to see these micro businesses, these small businesses emerging. We have yeah. a new group of young women entrepreneurs in our region called Unlabeled. They're in their 20s, maybe late 20s, early 30s. There's probably 30 to 40 young entrepreneurs, Chuck, who are banding together without government help, right? Without establishment help, but they need just a little bit of financial support. Like mm -hmm. to say, here's a little big reward. Keep moving down the space. It didn't take long at all for those networks to start to form. And that's so rewarding for an institutional funder like we are to see that we can operate on a street level mm -hmm. and on a neighborhood level because you can't think statewide. You can't think countywide. You have to think neighborhood by neighborhood. And let's face it, that idea of small business, if they get boarded up, regardless of the kind of business, the rest of us notice it. We don't know the story. We just notice that, uh oh, downtown or wherever it was, something is up, right? There's trouble. And that leads to other issues like, well, I won't go there anymore. Right. You know? Well, up here, right, in beautiful Mackinac Island, yeah. northern Michigan, rural Michigan, small businesses are what matter. Yeah. If the coffee shop is closed, if the mom and pop restaurant, if you can't go to breakfast somewhere, you notice sure. that, right? Yeah. I like to tell people, look, uh, Detroit's a great barometer of Michigan's health, but so is Marquette. So is Bay City, right. so is Port Huron, so is Muskegon. Think about that lens, right? Yeah. Those communities thrive on small businesses. Small business creates wealth, right? Intergenerational wealth. That's right. It's one thing to have the big three, They're, and we love them. But in Port Huron, it's that small mom and pop shop. Yeah. So you've already touched on uh, so many opportunities, right, that are That's, coming out and yeah. what you've been able to embrace to see some shifts, Randy. But what other opportunities are you seeing looking forward now that are encouraging? Small business right yeah. uh in breaking down some of the barriers how do we get small businesses especially minority on owned on main street we're lucky in portland we actually have a long history of innovative entrepreneurs coming from other countries and we try to be more welcome we see that as an opportunity right yeah and actually the covid mentality of remote working and working from home is playing into our favor right people want to live up by the water they want to be close to detroit close to the big mm -hmm. city we're only an hour and 10 minutes away yeah so to us that's an opportunity let's build place Let's build a place where people want to have a second house or they want to move out of the big city or ideally they want to move back here from the south or the east coast or the west sure. coast, right? Yeah. Come back to small town Michigan. You're going to love what you find now. And the water really is blue. Oh, my God. It's like <laughs> looking out here. You know, and last night, I, I this is not a joke and I'm not pandering, but I have to tell you, I walked away from the event where I saw you last night gathering in a beautiful front porch and beyond, right? And I walk away thinking of all the connections that I've had over time to St. Clair County. And the warmth of the people, yourself included, saying hello, there is something special about that region that you're in that I think everybody needs to be aware of. It's really special and you can feel it. It's palpable. Yeah, and we are fortunate. We've turned this into an opportunity, yeah. right? To reimagine ourselves, to create a destination. I love being close to Detroit, but I love small town. Yeah. I can see a parade out my office, right? I can see my kids <laughs> yeah. play sports, Sure, right? It takes me 10 minutes to go see my kids. Yeah. That kind of small town asset, that kind of strength of community is important for Michigan. Yeah. Partnerships with other organizations and um, even the private sector, the government sector, 
sounds like you're pulling together the big stuff under the umbrella, and yet it's getting down to everybody at the ground level. Yeah, that's really where I think we're one of the leaders. Uh, I've heard Senator Peter's staff say it. What they like about our region is the collaboration. Every other month, we have about 30 to 40 stakeholders gather in our offices. Mm. We talk about what's on the radar. Where are we disagreeing? Where do we agree? Where do we see opportunities? We've been doing that since 2008 or 2009. Yeah. It plays into our strength, right? We can get everyone around the table. We're not so big that we can't get the right people at the table to say, hey, we've got to hash this out. Yeah. We've got to have a plan. And we play up to that strength. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you, yeah, Chuck. Yeah, and thanks for all the info. It's encouraging to hear what's happening in the Blue Water area, St. Clair County, a little wider net. Randy Myers, president and CEO of the Community Foundation of St. Clair County. Be well. Thanks, Chuck. And finally, executive director of Next Generation Learning for Ford Motor Company, Cheryl Carrier. It is good to see you. It is great to be here. Thank you, Chuck. So am I am I the old generation or can I still be part of the next generation? How does oh, that work? I think we're all part of the next oh, generation. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, as long as we're lifelong learners and we keep, you know, learning. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me about the program and tell me what you do. Okay, I will. I'll be glad yeah. to. So we work with communities across the country to help them transform their high schools into career-themed academies. Wow. And what's exciting about that is that students learn their academics through the lens of something that's meaningful to them. These academies are aligned to the workforce and economic development needs of a region. And a student gets to choose in ninth or 10th grade, do I want to learn more about engineering or yeah. health or advanced manufacturing or robotics or digital media and arts? And they self-select into a program. They work with a team of teachers, academic and career and technical education teachers. And we help the community support that process by bringing employers in those fields to the table with those team of teachers and students. So students work on these authentic projects with their employer partners and their teachers, and they get real world experience. You know, they get to really better understand what is this career gonna feel like, look like? What do I need to know and be able to do? And by the way, how am I gonna use that math that I'm struggling with? And it know? may not just be in that career field, right? Because the light bulb may go off for something else in science or technology or engineering. Right? Oh, you're, you're so right about that. This isn't about pigeonholing students yeah. into a career, but it's about sticky learning, right? And it's about giving them exposure. So it's pretty exciting and it's a scalable and sustainable model. So it it isn't a program that comes and goes, but mm -hmm. you know, we have communities across the country that have been doing this for, you know, 17, 18 years. So it yeah. works. So to see that excitement and that ignition spark that happens in young people, that's got to be exciting for you from a leadership perspective, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all of, yeah. it's really all about the students. I mean, you know, our philosophy is you know, if you can improve student out outcomes, then you'll improve workforce outcomes, clearly. Yeah. And then community yeah. prosperity will become, you know, uh, it will improve as well. So, But we've been seeing this in so many different places, right? I mean, for a while, even my, our son who went to uh, Kettering University. So there was a cohort, right? He was able to work while he went to school. We had Bud Danker on from uh, Penske talking about how they're using IndyCar racing in go-karts to inspire young people into science and, you know, basically STEM. Dean Kamen, first robotics, right? So it's so exciting for me to hear, as somebody who really enjoys learning by getting hands-on, 
that this is something that's bringing success. Oh, it's great. And I, we should really connect with Penske. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's an opportunity for students. And, you know, there are great jobs out there in career and technical education. So even for yeah. students that, you know, may not be interested in engineering, they might be interested in, you know, house building, or they might be not want to be an entrepreneur and, you know, own their own plumbing business. And there's a yeah. lot of great jobs out there to be made. And exposing students is key. So when you look at the future of some of these uh, young people, are you seeing some of the fruit that you've helped to grow on their trees come to fruition? Are you seeing them actually move into these fields that you were hoping they would? Yes, actually we do. Yeah. And the beauty of this is usually in these programs, they can switch once. So if they oh, go into okay. health and they're like, oh no, not for me, yeah. I'm not doing this, they can switch. And usually they stay in that field. It might change. You know, maybe they went in for mechanical engineering and they're more interested in electrical. Yeah. yeah. But they tend to stay in the areas that they started to explore. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, parents love it because students are making better decisions about their future. And they're not spending, you know, five years of college education. <laughs> <laughs> to find out that they're not interested in doing. Well, you know, what's the old joke about becoming a plumber? I know a plumber who gave up being a heart surgeon so he could make a living. Oh you know, and it's kind of interesting to think about how many tradespeople do we need in America who make a very decent wage. I mean, really do well and are the backbone maybe of America in terms of entrepreneurship. But maybe they weren't suited to go to college, but they could have been inspired to yes. go into something that is technical, right? Yeah, and yeah. students are learning certification. They're gaining certifications, which they're industry recognized. So, you know, they're appreciated by employers. So promoting diversity within your program is a, a big key, huh? Oh, so it's sort of a non-negotiable, right? We can't offer things like this to just certain students, right? Yeah. This program is good for all students. And, you know, whether you're struggling with your math and science and it becomes sticky, right? Learning. If you're a high achiever, you know, even you make better decisions about your future. But it is the reason we love this is because when we go into a community, you will often hear people say in the community, we can't just do this for some students. We've got to do it for all yeah. students. And yeah. so our philosophy when we go in is that, you know, this has to be available for all students. And we have to help students that are struggling, right? Maybe furthest from opportunity, get you know, scaffolds so that they can have these opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. What changed during COVID? And now I guess maybe more important is the question coming out of COVID. What are you seeing changing back or changing for the future that's different? That's a really good question. So going into COVID, one of our big concerns was that employers were going to step away from mm. working closely with the teachers and students. But in fact, what we found was the employers were so close to the district, the teachers and the students, that they were the first ones to sort of come back and say, what do you guys need? You know, oh, do you need yeah. technology? How are you going to teach the students? How can we help? So even while employers had their own struggles, they were so connected to these young people that they didn't leave. They didn't walk away and say, we got other things to deal with. Yeah. What's incredible to me is coming out of COVID this year alone, this program, there's such high demand for it. I mean, we're getting literally requests 
three or four a month. And how do you manage that? What does Ford actually do to help manage? Are you serving as a facilitator to connect the dots in communities with employers? Or Yeah, that's a really great question. So Ford Motor Company Fund, the philanthropic arm of Ford, is the funder of this. Okay. Well, I should say they've developed it. They've put a lot of money in it over the last several years. They now subsidize the work, right? But our role in the community is to bring the people together, to have really deep, powerful conversations about what a transformation model in high school can look like and what that will mean for the community and what types of engagement needs to happen. Yeah. And it's pretty remarkable how people come to the table. So what would you say to a business leader who's listening right now about why they would want to get involved in this project? Well, you need a pipeline, a talent pipeline. I mean, there's no better way to do it. And I am convinced that employers come to the table because they need a talent pipeline, but they end up staying because they know they're really making a difference in these young people's lives. And, And they end up with great employees who are very loyal, And so I highly recommend that employers get engaged. And frankly, your employer, your employees will love this. If you can give them some time to get out and work with these young people, they're happier. So there's a lot of benefits. And isn't there a lot of inspiration? I guess it's going to sound like a commercial, but I'm a car guy, right? Yeah. If this is sponsored by Ford Motor Company and I see all the technology and the EV cars and, you know, at the top and all the sparkle of like, wow, look what's coming. What an inspiration alone to think that I could be working on something now as a kid that's pointing me to the future of the next generation of vehicles. Exactly. You know, some kind of mobility, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's got to rock some of these students' world to see what the possibilities are. All right, I'll sign up right now. I'm ready. Okay, all right. See, you're a a next generation learner. It's good to have you with us. (laughs) Thank you, Tucker. Thanks for dropping by. Cheryl Carrier, Executive Director of Next Generation Learning at Ford Motor Company. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. We regularly cover a variety of wellness topics featuring the advice and experience of many leading experts to help you lead a healthier life. If you like our show and you want to know more, check us out at a healthiermichigan.org slash podcast. You can also leave us reviews or ratings on iTunes or Stitcher. To get new episodes on your smartphone or tablet, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.